You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. The passage that Caroline read is one of rejection. It's a response that I surprised Jesus gave to his mother and his brothers. But now, the second passage comes from John chapter 19, as we've been working through the last seven words of Jesus. And this is a passage that shows that he loved his mother and made provisions for her. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Once I took a plane flight, I was flying to Louisville, Kentucky to go to the General Assembly offices. I was flying from Charlotte, had to go to Cincinnati and then take a little puddle jumper over to Louisville. And I was placed beside a little boy. He was on his way to his mother's home, from his mother's home in Charlotte to his father's home in Cincinnati. He was six years old and he was traveling alone, which didn't seem to bother him as much as it bothered me. And I talked to him and I tried to make him comfortable. What a long trip for a little, such a little boy. I have another pastor friend whose son lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he lives in Chicago. Well, his 15-year-old son flies up to visit him once a month and then on school holidays. So far, he said to me, his son loves to come visit. But he wonders when his son will begin to say, Dad, I I just can't come. I can't come this weekend. I have to work or I have a date or I want to be with my friends. My friend so loves those weekends with his son. But he is afraid that when his son gets his driver's license next year, that he'll lose even that time with him. As in all families, dealing with a divorce is hard. You just deal with it the best you can. In some cases though, it is not the divorce that is the problem, it is the marriage. And there are children who will freely admit that it is easier to commute between their parents' homes than to live in the crossfire of a household war. Obviously, divorce divides families, but it is certainly not the only thing that divides our families. There are parents, unfortunately, who are cruel to their children, and there are grown children who neglect 
their aging parents. There are parents and children who have reached an impasse as adults over money or lifestyle or politics or faith. And they no longer speak to each other. There are brothers and there are sisters who have fought over the same things like dividing up the inheritance or some uh, a, pre, a slight that might have occurred over Thanksgiving meal. And so they just erase those people from their address books. And when the separation of families is mutual, it is bad enough, but even worse, if you have been cut off and you didn't even know why, or you do know why, and you want to work it out to reconcile and make it better, and you can't because the telephone number has changed or the text and the emails go unanswered and the Christmas presents come back marked return to sender. This is very painful stuff. It's about as painful as it gets. Whether it is rejection by your family or rejection of your family, the rejection itself can consume you and you begin to define yourself by that and it consumes you and you start spending so much time either holding yourself apart from your family or trying to get your family back together again that there is precious time left or emotional energy left for anything else. No one knows how to hurt each other the way family members do. The knowledge of one another is so great and the shared history is so powerful. The memories are so deep and all of them heavy weapons in the arsenals that we can use against each other. So can't you just imagine when Jesus' mother Mary must have been, what Mary must have been feeling on that day when she came and Jesus' brothers came with her to see Jesus. And they were soundly rejected. They had come to see Jesus, I think, because they were concerned about him and what he was getting himself into and these people that he was associating himself with. And they were afraid of the houses that he would go in and out, casting out evil spirits and healing lepers. They loved Jesus and they were afraid of what was happening to him. What good mother would not try to remove her child from what looks like to her to be a bad situation? But I've always had trouble with what appears to me in this passage to be a callous treatment of his family by Jesus in this particular episode in scripture. But as I look forward, further into the text, I think Jesus really did know a lot about families. 
Jesus knew how powerful our families are in our lives, whether they are working well or not at all. Whether we are snuggled down deep in the heart of our families or whether we are estranged from them. Jesus understood. I think he knew how easy it was to be consumed by them so that we forget who we are apart from them. And I also think Jesus knew that it is not only when we discover who we are apart from them that we can then be part of them in a healthy way. Now I'm a wife, a sister, an aunt, and each one of those identities has shaped my life, but none of them contains who I am. I'm Joanne, I'm a Christian, and I am a child of God. And you know, that is my true identity. And all other identities that we have, all other roles that we have, grow out of that basic one, that I am God's child, that you are God's child. Now, each of us has that list of roles. And all of you are children, and some of us are parents, but like me, You are God's child first, as that baptism so clearly tells us today. That being a child of God is not a role. That is who you most truly are. That is where your true peace and security lie. When you know that, when you have learned the truth of it, and it is in your heart as well as in your head, then chances are that you can survive a broken family. And you can go on to find a better one, a different one from the people that God sends your way. And when you know that, chances are that you will not be swallowed up by an intact family whose love has too much control in it. And in both cases, knowing your true identity can make all the difference. Again, you gotta know it in here as well as up here. Mary, as the mother of Jesus, never gives up on her son. Maybe she understood that he was extraordinary as no one else could. Maybe she knew that his was a greater calling than just to his birth family. We see Mary in the John passage, kneeling, sitting, standing at the foot of the cross. The events of the last three days of Jesus' trial and his abuse and his crucifixion will always remain with her. She was there. She knew it was all happening. She watched it. It is not easy for a mother to see her children suffer. What? agony of heart that must have been. 
They have nailed her exceptional boy to a piece of wood. Some of Jesus' friends may be standing at a distance, but Mary, she's right there with her son. If she could only take him down from that cross and put her arms around him and treat his wounds. But no, this is not to be. He is the Messiah and she knows it and the heart still breaks, but she sorrows not as those who have no hope. Jesus, looking down from that cross, sees his beloved disciple, who we think is probably John, standing near his mother, and he says, woman, behold your son, and to the disciple, behold your mother. These are words of compassion, and they are the words that are so typical of the Jesus that we know, who spent his life healing and making people whole and bringing people back into relationship with each other. And now he actually ministers to his mother. He ministers in consolation to her. He provides for her security. And the beloved disciple John will care for Mary for the rest of her life. Even in his dying, as in his living, Jesus reminds us of our desire and our responsibility and our need for family, for kinship. Kinship is a whole lot more than a blood relationship. The ties that bind each other as a spiritual family are strong. In fact, they must be so strong that we begin to recognize that every person you and I meet is flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. And when our eyes meet those of another, we may behold in them the presence of our Savior, that we may see in them Jesus. Every child we know must receive the same tangible love as our kids. And every adult deserves to be intimately known by fellow human beings who will not abandon them. The love of God knows no boundaries and neither should the family of God. Broken we may be in our blood families, rejected or hurt, or maybe we are loved and nurtured in our families. But in this place, in this place, our family value is an inclusive love based on grace. We are all each mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, daughters and sons, and we are made one in Jesus Christ. We are family. What a gift. Treasure it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.